Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 62, Early Childhood Maltreatment, Developmental Impacts. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast reviews the literature on the development of infants and young children who have experienced maltreatment, including their brain development, socio-emotional functioning, and mental and physical health. Introduction Maltreatment in infancy and young childhood is a highly prevalent issue amongst families receiving services from child welfare services in Canada and around the world. Maltreatment is defined as acts toward a child that are likely to cause harm, in addition to failure to provide a supportive and developmentally appropriate environment to provide emotional, physical, and social growth. The most common types of maltreatment experienced by children aged 0 to 3 include neglect, exposure to intimate partner violence, physical abuse, and substance exposure. Additionally, there are many caregiver, child, and community factors associated with the likelihood of maltreatment occurrence. For more information on maltreatment and factors associated with maltreatment in infancy, please refer to the research review titled Infants and Child Welfare, Maltreatment Occurrence and Associated Factors, available on the Part Canada website. Maltreatment is considered one of the most traumatic experiences in early childhood and is associated with many intermediate and long-term consequences, including changes in brain development, socio-emotional functioning, and physical and mental health. Understanding the potential impacts of maltreatment is necessary in order to both assess clients' needs and to refer clients to appropriate preventative services. In addition, it is important to understand the potential consequences of early childhood maltreatment on child development in order to develop and implement effective services to mitigate these risks. To promote understanding and provide practical strategies for prevention of the risks associated with early childhood maltreatment, this podcast will discuss the immediate and long-term implications of maltreatment experienced by infants and young children between the ages of 0 and 3. Research Questions The following three research questions were formulated to guide the remainder of this research review. 1. What associations exist between maltreatment in early childhood and later cognitive development or brain development? 2. What associations exist between maltreatment in early childhood and later socio-emotional development? 3. What associations exist between maltreatment in early childhood and later physical and mental health outcomes? Methods matter. These are association questions. They examine the relationships between two or more factors. In this case, maltreatment is examined as an association and does not mean that maltreatment is the direct cause of the outcomes discussed. Correlational studies, including longitudinal and cross-sectional studies, as well as systematic reviews, are best suited to answer these types of research questions. Early Childhood Maltreatment and Subsequent Brain Development FAQs What are the effects of maltreatment on brain development in infancy and early childhood? What are the cognitive and language development outcomes associated with early childhood maltreatment? In the literature, there is strong evidence to suggest that maltreatment which occurs in infancy may impact the development of a child's brain. 
thus affecting cognition and language development, along with other cognitive functions. Developmental delays are critical to understand and assess during the early years in order to promote positive outcomes. This section will discuss the unique ways maltreatment impacts young children's developing brains in addition to their cognition and language development. Brain Development and Early Childhood Maltreatment For the first two years of life, the brain grows at a quicker pace than any other time in life. During this sensitive period, millions of connections among neurons are made every second that affect the development of cognitive, emotional, and physical growth. Each of these areas in the brain depend greatly on the environmental stimulation for optimal development. When infants are exposed to maltreatment, infants' brains respond by releasing high levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. When the rapidly developing brain is exposed to continuous levels of cortisol, brain cell death in key structures of the brain may occur, thereby affecting the infant's ability to function at a developmentally appropriate level. Specifically, exposure to trauma during this time may impact the volume, functioning, and connectivity of various brain structures, including the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex, which are associated with memory, spatial processing, learning, cognition, and executive functioning. Currently, much of the research on brain development is mixed. Conclusive evidence cannot be drawn in regard to the specific impacts of maltreatment on the volume, functioning, and connectivity of the brain. For example, Hansen and colleagues in 2015 examined the size of the amygdala, which is the region of the brain responsible for memory, decision-making, and emotional processing, in young children who were physically abused and neglected to compared to children who were not maltreated. It was found that those who experienced maltreatment had smaller amygdala sizes, which were associated with greater cumulative stress exposure and behavioral problems later in life. In contrast, other studies have found larger amygdala volume in maltreated children. More research is needed to draw accurate conclusions about the brain development of young maltreated children. Due to the brain's plasticity at this age, adverse effects of maltreatment can be mitigated when detected early. Therefore, early detection is key to prevent developmental consequences of early adversities. To learn more about brain development and childhood maltreatment, see the particle entitled Childhood Trauma and Maltreatment Effects on Brain Development on the Part Canada website. Cognition and Language Outcomes Associated with Early Maltreatment There's some evidence to suggest that children perform at lower levels of measures of cognition and language than their non-maltreated peers as a result of early childhood maltreatment. Delays in cognition may involve compromised concentration and attention, academic performance, memory, and executive functioning. Delays in language development may include shorter mean length of utterance, a limited expressive vocabulary, and shorter bouts of contingent discourse. For example, in a cross-sectional study by Stalmer and colleagues in 2009, different types of maltreatment led to distinct results in cognition and language results between children ages 12 to 47 months. Using the Battelle Developmental Inventory and the Kaufman Brief Intelligence Test, to measure development and cognition in the preschool language scale to assess language, children who were sexually abused demonstrated more compromised cognitive development over time than other maltreated children. In addition, those who had experienced a physical abuse and neglect experienced lags in language development over time compared to their non-maltreated peers. 
It is important to reemphasize that these correlational studies cannot conclude that maltreatment caused delays, as children who experience maltreatment simply are more likely than non-maltreated children to have delays. Other underlying factors related to maltreatment, such as biological or socioeconomic factors, may also cause delays in cognition or language development. Thinking critically. As a child welfare worker, how can you promote healthy cognitive development in infants and young children? What programs in your agency or region are geared towards healthy infant development? Early childhood maltreatment and socio-emotional development. FAQs. How are infants' attachment relationships affected by early maltreatment by primary caregivers? Are there long-term outcomes associated with early disruptions in attachment? How do attachment disruptions affect emotion regulation in early childhood and beyond? Infancy and early childhood are fundamental developmental periods in which the foundation for socio-emotional functioning such as attachment relationships and emotional understanding are established. In the literature, adverse experiences such as abuse and neglect have been found to hinder socio-emotional functioning in young childhood, resulting in various immediate and long-term outcomes. In this section, the literature on attachment as it relates to infancy and early childhood development will be discussed in addition to its role in emotion regulation. Attachment and early childhood maltreatment. The relational connections made during infancy are strongly impacted by caregiving environment in which the infant is exposed to. Attachment is a fundamental process across species wherein an infant seeks to be close to its caregivers when distressed, for protection and survival with the assumption that the caregiver will reduce their distress and restore calmness. Parental bonding and child attachment are crucial in the early infancy years and are known to build resilience, promote healthy brain development, and emotion regulation. According to developmental theorists, a child's attachment style is built on the cumulative experiences of responsiveness and sensitivity of the caregiver to their needs and reflects the child's internal working models of emotional and behavioral development. During development, secure attachment may protect the brain against for, from potential trauma and stress, while an insecure attachment may elicit different responses to a stressful situation. There are three types of insecure attachment. One, avoidant, where the infant overly regulates emotions. Resistant, where the infant underregulates emotions and is anxious or insecure. And three, disorganized, where there is no consistent pattern of behavior established or the infant is disoriented. The association between early childhood maltreatment and insecure attachment styles has been studied extensively in the literature. For example, in a meta-analysis by Sear and colleagues in 2010, the impact of maltreatment and various socioeconomic risks on attachment security was assessed. Children living under high-risk conditions, which included physical and sexual abuse, as well as neglect, were found to develop disorganized attachment patterns later on in life compared to their non-maltreated peers. These findings suggest that attachment insecurity is strongly impacted by maltreatment, in addition to cumulative socioeconomic risks. Therefore, while maltreatment is associated with attachment insecurity, other socioeconomic risks such as biology or single parenthood may also impact attachment outcomes. Emotion Regulation Disruptions in attachment may result in difficulties regulating emotions both early on and later in life. 
Emotion regulation is defined as a biologically based and environmentally mediated process through which children adapt and cope with their emotions when responding to outside stimuli. The role of the caregiver during the early years is to help their children manage their stress associated with unpleasant emotions such as physical discomfort, fear, or distress. When caregivers struggle to attend to their children, infants and young children may learn that they cannot rely on their caregivers to cope and therefore unable to master this essential life skill and may develop unhealthy coping methods as a result. Difficulties self-regulating emotions in infancy and early childhood may appear as problems with feeding, such as food refusal, stuffing food in cheeks, or hoarding, digestion problems, erratic sleep, inconsolable crying unrelated to colic or illness, primitive and persistent self-soothing behaviors like headbanging, excessive rocking, or compulsive chewing, and dissociation, which are distinct periods of disorientation or freezing. In later childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, Difficulties self-regulating can result in internalizing and externalizing symptoms such as anxiety, depression, conduct orders, and other conditions. However, more research is needed to accurately make conclusions on this subject. Thinking critically. Have you worked with infants or young children who have demonstrated difficulties regulating their emotions? How are these experiences aligned with the above discussion on emotion regulation? How are they different? Early Childhood Maltreatment and Its Relationships with Physical and Mental Health FAQs What are the immediate and long-term outcomes for physical and mental health following early experiences of maltreatment? Are internalizing and externalizing behaviors in later childhood associated with the occurrence of maltreatment during early childhood? Physical and mental health concerns are often cited in association with early childhood maltreatment. Immediate and long-term physical health outcomes include outcomes associated with substance exposure in utero and abuse of head trauma, AHT. There's also evidence that a host of other physical health concerns may occur in adulthood following exposure to early childhood maltreatment. Further, there's evidence to suggest that early childhood maltreatment may be associated with internalizing and externalizing behaviors. This section will discuss the physical and mental health concerns that may arise as a result of early childhood maltreatment. Physical health outcomes. In infancy and early childhood, there is strong evidence to suggest that substance exposure and abusive head trauma are associated with significant changes to both the short and long-term physical and mental development of infants. Additionally, research has also considered the effect of early childhood maltreatment on various health concerns in adulthood. Outcomes of substance exposure. Substance use during pregnancy and its effect on the development of infants has been prominently discussed in the child maltreatment literature. It's also considered a public health concern that has both short and long-term effects for infants. Prenatal substance exposure has been associated with low birth weight, infant mortality, and future developmental problems for the child. Other possible consequences are outlined in the table below. Alcohol. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, FASD, is characterized by low birth weight, decreased length, small head circumference, facial dysmorphism, and central nervous system dysfunction. Cocaine exposure is associated with reduced head circumference, prematurity, hypertension, central nervous system hemorrhaging, stroke, increased risk for sudden infant death syndrome, and HIV, 
Necrotizing enterocolitis and increased irritability. Long-term effects are uncertain, with some studies showing decreased head circumference, lower IQ scores, and increased behavior problems. Exposure to nicotine is associated with low birth weight, prematurity, perinatal mortality, and sudden infant death syndrome. Long-term effects include decreased mental task scores, decreased basic visuoperceptual performance, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Marijuana exposure is associated with increased tremors, exaggerated startle reflexes, poorer habituation to visual stimuli, high-pitched cries, and reduced quiet sleep. Long-term effects include, include decreased memory and verbal functioning, poor attention and impulsivity, and reduced head circumference. Opiates are associated with neonatal abstinence syndrome, an increased startle reflex, tremors, inability to self-quiet, poor feeding, abnormal sleep patterns, diarrhea, fever, and seizures, central nervous system hyperactivity, gastrointestinal dysfunction, respiratory distress, autonomic symptoms like sneezing, fevers, tremor, high-pitched cries, increased muscle tone, irritability, seizures, and withdrawal. Other symptoms include low birth weight, prematurity, and increased risk for sudden infant death syndrome. Amphetamine exposure is associated with low birth weight, premature delivery, congenital brain hemorrhaging, increased risk for neonatal seizures and sudden infant death syndrome, disordered sleep patterns, tremors, poor feeding, hyperactive reflexes, and an abnormal cry. It is also important to consider the outcomes associated with polysubstance use during pregnancy. Polysubstance use is defined as the use of multiple drugs at one time. While research is limited, one recent longitudinal study by Nygaard and colleagues in 2015 discussed the cognitive differences over time between children with prenatal polysubstance exposure and their non-exposed peers. Significant cognitive deficits were found during the follow-up period when the children were 8 years old, in comparison to those who were not exposed. Other outcomes associated with polydrug use include prematurity, behavioral difficulties, and low birth weight. One important consideration is the majority of the research on prenatal substance use relies partially on maternal reports of the child's symptoms and inconsistent screening tools used in hospital settings. This is important as maternal reports of child symptoms, as with parental reports in other settings, may not always be accurate due to social desirability biases, stigma associated with substance use, and or fears of being judged or having their child taken into care. Therefore, caution should be used when drawing conclusions about the literature on outcomes associated with prenatal substance exposure. Outcomes of Abusive Head Trauma, AHT AHT, or shaken baby syndrome, is caused by shaking, blunt impact to the head, or a combination of shaking and blunt impact for infants. As infants' brains are most susceptible to shaking or impact injuries than older children, babies with severe traumatic brain injury tend to show lower, slower rates of development. Potential physical and developmental outcomes of abusive head trauma include failure to maintain normal head growth patterns, post-traumatic epilepsy, retinal hemorrhaging or blindness, feeding difficulties, motor impairments, sensory deficits, speech and language difficulties, and immediate or delayed death. Long-term physical health outcomes. There is some evidence to suggest that infant and early childhood maltreatment is associated with later physical health concerns such as failure to thrive, growth delays, illness, injury, and chronic medical conditions. 
In one systematic review by Hughes and colleagues, it was found that individuals with at least four adverse childhood experiences in early childhood or adolescence were associated with higher risk of self-rated health concerns such as cancer, heart disease, respiratory disease, and problematic alcoholic and drug use. The majority of these adverse childhood experiences included childhood trauma, childhood maltreatment. Therefore, while not a direct cause of long-term health outcomes, it is possible that early childhood maltreatment contributed to the onset of chronic health problems later on. Interestingly, Yoon and colleagues in 2018 found that adolescents who experienced childhood physical abuse during early childhood, ages 0 to 5, had higher odds of early substance use when controlling for other types of maltreatment and other variables. This findings highlights the importance of early prevention to prevent the cycle of substance use and its ongoing health effects. Mental Health Outcomes Mental health outcomes associated with infant and early childhood maltreatment include internalizing symptoms such as anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder, in addition to externalizing symptoms that affect behavior. There have been some links in the literature between early childhood maltreatment and higher rates of depression and anxiety in later years. For example, Thompson and Tabone in 2010 examined the effects of early reports of maltreatment on trajectories of anxiety and depression in the United States. Early alleged maltreatment was found to predict later trajectories of anxiety and depression, even after controlling for family income and other sociodemographic factors. However, it is important to note that controlling for sociodemographic factors from infancy to childhood and beyond is difficult, as many factors may contribute to the development of mental health concerns, including biological factors, racial differences, gender, and other factors over a span of a lifetime. Another study by Godinet, Lee, and Berg in 2014 examined the trajectory of child behavior problems and internalizing symptoms over time as a function of early maltreatment. Early childhood maltreatment before the age of four significantly predicted the emergence of internalizing and externalizing behaviors. Additionally, it was found that the relationship between early maltreatment and later behavioral problems were moderated by the child's gender, wherein externalizing problems were more common for boys and internalizing problems were more common for girls. However, more rigorous research is needed to accurately predict whether mental health concerns were associated with early childhood maltreatment. Thinking critically. What stands out to you about the above research on physical and mental health outcomes? Which, if any, of the research findings surprise you? Practice considerations. The outcomes associated with infant and early childhood maltreatment are complex, and more research is needed to fully understand how maltreatment affects cognitive language and socio-emotional development, as well as physical and mental health outcomes, in the short and long term. Limitations in available research methodologies make it difficult to draw causal conclusions about the consequences of early maltreatment. Despite early experiences of maltreatment, children can be helped to reach their full potential through efforts to decrease the developmental risks associated with early trauma. The following recommendations have been developed to guide professionals who work with maltreated infants and young children. Coach parents to understand infant development. Some caregivers may be unfamiliar with the standard guidelines on how to meet the needs of an infant. Professionals can educate caregivers on basic feeding practices, such as how to identify hunger cues, 
safe sleep practices, and other caretaking essentials. Typical developmental milestones should also be discussed to educate caregivers on what to expect and how to promote optimal development at all ages. Professionals can use developmental guidelines to guide their practice, such as the Ages and Stages Questionnaire, the Infant Mental Health Promotion, Ages and Stages Milestones, and the Nipissing District Developmental Screening Checklist. These are available online. Promote healthy attachment relationships. To mitigate long-term effects of childhood maltreatment, having at least one strong attachment relationship with a caregiver is essential to develop strong emotion regulation skills. When working with an infant who has been maltreated and their caregivers, professionals can praise serve and return interactions. Serve and return interactions occur when a caregiver is sensitive and responsive to a child's signals and needs. For example, when a child cries in hunger, the caregiver responds by providing food, showing that the caregiver is in tune with the child's needs. Professionals can also provide suggestion on alternate ways to interact when interactions are suboptimal. Additionally, if possible, professionals should promote attachment relationships with more than one caregiver, including fathers, grandparents, foster parents, and others, as children with multiple healthy relationships tend to have better outcomes. Support abstinence from substance use, both during and after pregnancy. It is recommended that professionals working with pregnant mothers with histories of substance use support their clients to avoid substances, both during and after their pregnancies. Professionals can help clients to avoid the harmful immediate and long-term developmental effects of substances on children through education and referrals to substance abuse interventions as appropriate. Conclusion This podcast reviewed the existing literature on the immediate and long-term implications of early childhood maltreatment. Early maltreatment poses risks to brain development, including cognitive and language development and socio-emotional development. These risks may result in cognitive and language delays in addition to insecure attachment relationships and difficulty regulating emotions. Further, physical health impacts associated with substance exposure in utero and abusive head trauma may also have health and developmental consequences for infants and young children. Further, mental health outcomes including both externalizing and internalizing symptoms are associated with early childhood maltreatment. However, research on this topic requires stronger methodologies to make accurate conclusions. To mitigate the outcomes discussed in this particle, professionals can coach parents on the developmental guidelines for infants and young children, promote healthy attachment relationships with caregivers, and discourage substance use both during and after pregnancy. To learn more about the evidence-based interventions available for maltreatment of infants and young children, see the particle titled Maltreatment in Early Childhood, Prevention and Interventions. You have been listening to the podcast series, episode 62, Early Childhood Maltreatment, Developmental Impacts. The podcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a Canadian membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information and to access resources, please visit www.partcanada.org.